Welcome to episode 10 of Between the Mics podcast. I'm one half of your team, Ty Ferguson. I'm the other half, Austin Smith. And we're coming to you tonight to recap the Mississippi State game and look forward to our upcoming matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, To recap last week's game, um, we finally, finally, finally got to see what we all wanted to see, um, the debut of JT Daniels, and he did not disappoint for a second. Um, Overall stat line of the night was 28-38 for 401 becoming the first quarterback since Aaron Murray in 2013 to throw for 400 yards. Four touchdowns and no interceptions. Super impressive in every facet of the game. Intermediate routes, deep routes, uh, short stuff. I mean, you, you have to love and just be ecstatic to see what we saw from JT last weekend. Um, and it really, really, really provides some optimism for Georgia going forward at the quarterback position. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't an empty stat line. Like he came out and won us that game because they did a really good job of game planning for our our uh, running game. That was like nowhere to be found on Saturday. And then our defense, you know, it was probably one of their worst performances of the year when you consider the fact of how Mississippi State's offense like was performing coming into the game. And so his performance was kind of what our fate hinged on. And like you said, he came out and he delivered. And, I mean, a couple of the best things about it was, you know, like I said, they were like game planning for the run. So they he had advantages that perhaps Stetson and Dwan didn't have earlier in the year just when looking at the way their defense played us. But there's been plenty of times this year where they could have hit – the, the guy on the deep ball, and they just haven't at mm-hmm. any point. And there was at least three passes this week of his ball traveled 55 yards in the air. Mm-hmm. And that's not – I mean, and they definitely haven't been able to do that. And then he had plenty of, you know, like 25, 30-yard balls that I feel like they haven't even hit those. And then he also – like, Kyrus has been the only wide receiver that's really had a standout game when Stetson was the quarterback – and I mean, he's absolutely phenomenal. But we got an absolute stud out there on the outside, and he made sure to target him that, like early and often. I think his first completion was to George on a short, yeah. like little uh, hitch out there, and he like turned it upfield. And all night he was throwing to him and Burton, and those are our electric playmakers. And I mean, and he still got Kyrus involved on a night. Yeah. And like I said, this was on a night where our run game didn't show up, and so he stepped up. And another thing, his. People have compared him to Fromm and being a statue quarterback, and he went out there, and, I mean, he had one really dirty play there in the fourth where, you know, guy coming straight at him, one of the linebackers, he, you know, does the little rust spin, and then there's a guy coming along the edge. He cuts back inside, throws a bullet, and, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, the state guy made a good play in knocking it out of uh, Pickens' hand, but uh, I thought it was a flawless performance. You touched on the stat line, 28 of 38, but mm-hmm. – you know, though, even some of those were drops. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he maybe took one or two unnecessary sacks. That's the only bad thing you could say about the game. And this isn't even saying that it's going to continue to be this way because, like I said, I mean, they have a great defense. It's probably one of the best front sevens that we've played mm-hmm. th- this year. But uh, they were game planning for the run. But, I mean, you still got to hit the throws, and he still hit them. So. Yeah. You made a good point to say, I mean, like you said, and we touched on it last week in our breakdown of the – in our preview of the Mississippi State game, they have a pretty good defense. They'd held, I think, six of their opponents to less than their total yardage on average in the games that they've played against them. So, I mean, 
when you look at that, we kind of knew, like, okay, well, Mississippi State could keep it close for a little bit because of that. We eventually thought Georgia would break away and that we would be able to stop them a little bit better on defense. But, I mean, the defense, we were expecting them to play well. But, I mean... So it was their you, offense that we... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you look at Mississippi State, and I mean, they wanted to see, just as like we did, what can this kid do? They were going to play eight men in the box, and they did consistently all night long. Eight men in the box, safeties up near the line of scrimmage, press coverage on the outside. So, I mean, when you look at that, it's going to be tough to run the ball no matter who you are. I mean, running the ball against eight-man box, you just don't have the numbers for it, especially out of the shotgun formation, five linemen, to a back, and a quarterback. I mean, that's only seven men right there. So, I mean, you don't if you can't block everyone, you're going to have a hard time running the ball because there's always a free rusher. So that's what I attribute most of the running game to. They were going to play the press man coverage. They were going to play the stacked box. And they have a pretty good defense, even when they're not playing an eight-man yeah. box. So most of the running problems I attribute to that. We did have a, a pretty bad game up front pass blocking. I do feel like there was some instances where Justin Schaefer in particular was getting beat a couple of times. Yeah, I saw a couple of training yeah. old yeah. Uh, wins um, as well, yeah. So with that being said, I mean, JT was going to have to make some plays with his arm, and I mean, he did. We t- we've talked about a couple of times this year that we both felt as if having a quarterback back there like JT would be able to unlock George Pickens, I think's the word we've used for it. Um, George Pickens had eight catches for 87 yards on the night with a touchdown. Obviously, he's going to get most of the attention. He's the guy who's going to be a first-rounder in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, what so, was Burton's stat line? Burton's so was... With the extra attention being on George, um, Jermaine Burton ended up going eight for 197, two touchdowns with a long of 49, but he averaged 24.6 yards per average catch. Yeah. Um, that's phenomenal. So hopefully more of that. I mean, Kiaris Jackson, four for 55, um, long of 40. Demetrius Robertson? Yeah, made, three, a, made a reappearance. Yeah. Three for 45. I mean, John Fitzpatrick got a catch. Zamir got a catch. Trey McKitty. So, I mean, he's spreading the ball around. That's the big thing is, if yeah, you've got George out there, but because we've got George out there, we have these other guys that we've been recruiting, we've been hearing about, um, like Jermaine Burton, um, hopefully Arian Smith, we finally get to see a run. So, I mean, when you have a quarterback who can – He's also an alpha athlete, can throw the ball well, but he's going to spread it around. It just adds that dimension to our offense. We're not going to struggle running the ball every single week. It's still who we're going to be. But now that people have seen JT play a little bit, maybe it loosens up a little bit of the box. Um, I know South Carolina doesn't have as good of a front seven as Mississippi State. So I do expect us to bounce back running-wise running, running wise this week. Um Hopefully gets more Kenny McIntosh touches. Only had three carries in the on the night last week. Had a couple of good blitz um, pickups. Of course, yeah, Zeus, Zeus did too. Yeah. One thing about the whole performance, sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. it kind of does beg the question of you know Kirby's handling of the QBs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not one of the. I I trust his decision making as far as I do think JT probably just now got to the point where Kirby and Monken trusted his mobility. I mean. JT said he's been ready since Arkansas, but you ask any athlete, once they've been medically cleared, they're going to probably want to go out there. I mean, you saw it. I mean, to bring up the NBA with KD a couple of years ago in the finals, ends up uh, tearing his Achilles or rupturing his Achilles in that matchup. So most athletes, 
if you give them the go-ahead, they're going to say they're ready. Mm-hmm. And, but he admitted that he has improved on that aspect. The thing that scares me and the thing that might be the indictment of Kirby is what if Stetson hadn't gotten hurt? Because I, I firmly believe if Stetson hadn't got hurt that JT would not have played in this game. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when Kirby was at the podium after the game, he was saying, you know, and up until his shoulder injury, he was having a good game. It's just like so. I just in my head, I wonder if he hadn't got hurt, if JT would have even seen the field, and like how how much longer we we have had to wait. Yeah, I do. I hate it for Stetson because I mean, he played really well up until I think as Kirby also said, up until halftime of the Alabama game, he had he had done nothing to be pulled. I mean, up until he halftime missed- of the Alabama game, he had done nothing to make you say. Man, we absolutely 100% have to make a change. I mean, yeah, we wanted to see JT. Yeah, we kind of knew where our ceiling was at. Should that be the baseline for a top five team? No, I mean, we've, and we, yeah. I mean, and me and you have said yeah, all season. Yeah, yeah. We've repeatedly said on this podcast that I think Kirby sometimes needs to remember that. Yeah, like, but I mean, I know he's the one with all the coaching experiences he like brought up. But yeah, uh, so I think. With the performance of JT last Saturday, I definitely think it uh, changes the outlook of how we are going to view the quarterback position going forward. It definitely was a question mark for us all season long. We had, I mean, we had JT. We knew he was there, but I mean, if he was the third string quarterback, I mean, most people, I guess, were starting to wonder, okay, how good is he? I mean, why can't he be start over Stetson and Dewan? So I mean, it had it was a big question mark for Georgia. I mean, look, we have of course we have Brock coming in next year, but we didn't want to squander another opportunity with a top quarterback. And now, I mean, I know it's only one game. I don't want to overreact, but I'm gonna overreact. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what being a fan is. I mean, <laughs> he went prov- out there and made the throws. It provides you with a lot more clarity and really gives you a glimpse as to what the Georgia offense can be. I mean, yeah, we can be an explosive team. We can make those explosive plays downfield. We just we had to find the guy, and hopefully we, we we found him. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, and it's going to be nice knowing this off season he's going to be the guy. I mean, if he play, continues playing like that, he will be the guy next year. Or even, like, you know, just a fraction of that. Yeah, like, I mean, you don't have to throw for 400. But, yeah. I'll take 250 to 300. A 300-yard performance game with the way we recruit on, up front on the offensive line it's been a little down year, typically, from where we've been on the up front. But we still have young O-linemen, Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge, waiting in the rings, ready to take over at tackle. We'll still be strong up front with Trey Hill at center next year. We've got some guys who can slot in at guard who are a little young. Our O-line's going to be back. It's going to be back to the last few years level in the next year and the year two. two. I mean, we're going to still be recruiting well on the outside. We're yeah. always going to have running backs. Because Saturday did seem... That's the worst I can remember the O-line performing yeah. in quite some time. I mean, like we said, they were playing against the stacked box. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even in passing downs, mm-hmm. there was a, yeah. a, a lot of pressure on JT. He was having to go – I mean, like we said, he, t- he took some sacks, and then he was having to go out there and make some plays. And, I mean, Schaefer, like we said, didn't necessarily have a good performance. And, you know, maybe this offseason with those young guys being there, that competition will – I mean, perhaps make some of those guys step up. And, I mean, like you're saying, I'm hoping that next year that that'll be a, an air, a strength yeah. force. Yeah. Broderick Jones was somebody that me and you touched on in our recruiting class podcast we we recorded back in February. He was somebody we both kind of thought maybe had a chance to come in and earn some playing time early in his career at Georgia. 
Um, of course, he had an off-season injury, which kind of hurt him in fall camp, hurt his off-season training. Um, so he was kind of had to, had to take a little bit of a step back because of the injury. Um, but I still think he's going to be a really good player for Georgia. I definitely see him a part of the future. Um, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that you are excited about recruiting but that never pans out on the field. I think he's far too talented. Same thing for Tate Ratledge. I think we'll definitely be seeing them in the next few years. And it's going to, the O-line's going to be back. It's probably, Like you said, it's probably the worst O-line we've had collectively since Kirby's first year in 2016, uh, the Greg Pike years. Yeah, that's if what I was about to say. Tyler Catalina are our starting tackles. They spent more time on the ground than they did blocking people. But I mean, you know, they're, I don't think that uh, – I mean, I think Zeus has a lot of great qualities. He's mm-hmm. an extremely powerful runner. Sometimes his vision doesn't seem to necessarily be the best. So that can sometimes exacerbate the issue – up front where they actually are, you know, making the uh, the correct blocks, but maybe the running back's not hitting the right hole and uh, or being a little too anxious, not being patient with his blocks. And that's another thing. I do think, I mean, Kenny, we uh, talked about it beforehand. He only had three touches, and I think he's one of our most electric playmakers. And James, I mean, I don't remember him getting that many touches either. I, I remember a couple of catches out of the backfield. Uh, but it seems to me – that those two guys perform better on Saturdays than Zamir does. Yeah. Uh, I know he's a strong runner, and I do think that he is our best goal line option. But I think Kenny, I mean, and obviously Kendall, but I mean, he's still injured at the moment. But I think Kenny has displayed that he's the number one back in our rotation. Yeah. And we need to, I mean, we need to give way to that. It, it reminds me of a lot of what Nick Chubb looked like his first few years after his major knee injury. He didn't really trust the knee. I mean, we've talked about with JT. When you have a major injury like that, he's torn two ACLs. He's torn one in both knees. So it, it takes some time to really earn the trust back in yourself. I mean, it, it's fine. We I understand it's a major injury. But, I mean, he it, just seems it's, a little timid. It's, it's uh, fair timid. to say he runs, he runs timid sometimes. He runs tentatively. He doesn't hit the hole wide or at full speed. Kenny McIntosh is the exact opposite of that. He's 100 mile an hour every single time he gets the ball. He runs through a hole. He makes people – he finishes plays. He finishes runs. I mean, that's what you want to see. I mean, so that's why I think he needs to get more carries. I, d- I don't think three carries is enough for him. Yeah. I know he's probably not 100% healthy. He hadn't been playing. I think last week was the first time he's played since Alabama. So, I mean, if that might be the case, okay. But if he's not healthy, why are we playing him, in, playing him at all, you know? Yeah. So I mean, and, I mean, it was the same thing for James, though. So, I mean – he should be getting more touches yeah. as well. With that being said, though, I mean, I know we've spent the last five minutes here bashing the running game. I do expect it to bounce back in a big way against South Carolina. That was a very good week. front seven, yeah, it was. I, I think I don't think South Carolina compares anywhere near what Mississippi State is up front. South Carolina's got some good um, front front linemen. They've obviously got Zach Pickens. They got Jordan Birch, the five star uh, freshman defensive end. Georgia really, really, really wanted him. So obviously, when you have a guy like that, I mean, those guys are—they're good players, but they're young players, and I don't think the rest of South Carolina's defense and whole what's left of it is as good as those guys. I think we're going to make—I think we're going to make more plays downfield in the passing game, which is going to open up the run game in total. I expect—I mean, I know we've spent the last five minutes bashing him. I think Zamir White goes over 100 this week. No, it's not bashing. It's just saying—I mean. 
just saying someone else is you know performing better isn't a bash towards someone else. He's still a great running back. It just seems like, I mean, Kenny is performing better at I mean at this point in the season. So yeah, that but that's the way I see it. Um, I think we're going to open up the passing game. I think it's going to open up more of a downfield passing attack. Uh, so just looking forward towards South Carolina. Um, obviously, we all know what happened last year in Stanford Stadium. We play that team 100 times, we probably beat them 99. I mean, the one time happened last year, they beat us. They they caught us at a bad time. They caught us in a noon kickoff in Sanford Stadium. We were looking ahead towards the games that we had coming up. We weren't taking them seriously. And, I mean, in the SEC, you got to take everybody seriously. It's any given Saturday. And they came in and they beat – they obviously beat Georgia last year. And hopefully we can exact some revenge of our own and – get a hold of them on Saturday night and williams Bryce. Yeah, I mean, those noon games, I mean, even as a fan, sometimes it's hard to get up for. I mean, uh, having gone to school there for three years, we both know very well how hard it is to get up and go to a noon game. Yeah, it's just, I mean, but at the same time, with the type of ambitions we had last year, you would have thought that uh, that would have been a game we would have been able to get up for. Uh, but, yeah, 7.30, their stadium – coming off a big uh, offensive, offensive performance, mm-hmm. I do think that – I mean, you're saying that we're going to be able to run the ball. I think we're going to be able to also pass the ball. I mean, they had their two corners yep. opt out. So, overall, I just think on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to have a pretty good pretty good day. Yeah. Yeah, South Carolina as a, as a roster, when you look at it, they don't have a whole lot of NFL guys probably on the roster compared to what Georgia is where – littered with guys all over the field who's going to be playing at the next level. What South Carolina did have the early on in the year were two corners who everyone knew was going to play in the NFL. J.C. Horn, um, a lot of some people had him in first-round mocks. Uh, Israel Mukuamu obviously uh, had three interceptions in the game last year in Athens. He's a big-time player. Um, those two opting out is <laughs> going to really, really hurt South Carolina. I don't think they have anyone on their team who can guard George Pickens one-on-one. We've seen the emergence of Jermaine Burton these last few weeks, getting better and better every single week. Um, obviously, Pierce Jackson's been a big target. I think it's going to be another big, big game for JT yeah. Daniels. Um, probably upwards, I'm going to say upwards of 300 yards passing, if the score allows it. I mean, if we get up big enough where we're going to run the ball, then obviously not. But I do think we're going to see some more downfield shots, some more explosive plays. I would be completely shocked if we did not score 30 points yeah, this absolutely. week. Yeah, absolutely. But on the other side of the ball, I mean, we touched on it a minute ago, our defense has just been in such a lull the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we had touched on this earlier in the season on we definitely think we have one of the best run defenses in the country. And even this past week, Mississippi State is definitely not known for running the ball. But prior to sack yardage, they only had 35 yards. I mean, and then – once you include the sacks, 22. And so that was still on par. And then we got Jordan Davis coming back this week. Mm-hmm. So that's only going to get better. I mean, and that will help us in the passing game as well. But it's still – I mean, it can probably touch on how important Richard LeCount is uh, for our secondary. But even considering that, it's still disappointing how the last couple of games have gone. Florida was scoring on us at will. You would have thought we would have at least been able to – and then,
in when it comes to Mississippi State. Like I said, they were—I mean, their quarterback looked like an absolute stud, and that's probably—I mean, he's a freshman, so he's just going to get better with time. Uh, but at the same time, and you, I think our linebackers are really struggling in coverage against running backs. I mean, that was definitely evident uh, in the Florida game. But it, it, I mean, it was even true in this Mississippi State game. It uh, it manifested itself. I think the running back had like seven catches uh, out of the backfield, and so that's going to be. I mean, I, our linebackers are young, so I would anticipate that that would get better over time. But right now in our defense, I would say that's our weakest point uh, is that coverage in the slot, and of those running backs coming out that's primarily going to the linebackers. Because I do think that our corners are doing a good job uh, out there on uh, the outside, but. They're in the middle of the field is where it really seems like we're struggling on those short throws. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Monty Rice has definitely been picked on these last few weeks. I mean, in, current, in terms of pass coverage, he's been getting some running backs lined up on him and man-on-man, and they've been making some plays against him. Florida, obviously, a couple times on the wheel routes. Uh, Mississippi State had some completions against him last week. Um, the player that I'm most excited to hopefully see the return of, I know it's – we're hopeful that he's going to play is Jordan Davis. Um, when he went down in the Kentucky game, the game changed. Obviously, I mean, we still controlled the game, but we didn't have that physical presence up front that could just absolutely eat the run. I mean, they were getting three yards of carry, four yards of carry after he went down. Florida had success in the run. Mississippi State had some success. I mean, when he with him in the lineup, it just – it completely changes our run defense. It allows Monty Rice and Nicobe Dean to roam free, go make tackles in the backfield. It just it adds another dimension, and it's something we've sorely, sorely missed. And hopefully he gets back out there um, Saturday against South Carolina because one thing they do like to do at South Carolina is run the ball. They've got one of the better backs in the SEC, uh, Kevin Harris, a sophomore from Hinesville, Georgia, so right here in UGA's backyard. On the season, he's got 147 attempts for 875 yards uh, and 13 touchdowns. Um, he's their bell cow. He's the guy who they want to give it to 70% of the time. Just let him run. In games this year, he's had uh, 25 carries, 25 carries. Um, he's had 16 in another game, um, 12 and 13 against A&M and LSU, but they were getting blown out. So, obviously, when you're getting blown out, you're going to try to throw the ball to get back in the game. So, I mean, that's what they want to do as a team. They want to give it to him, let him run four yards of, four yards of carry, eat the clock, play ball control offense. That's what I expect them to probably try to do to us on Saturday because they know just as well as we do that we're they're probably outmatched talent-wise. They are outmatched talent-wise. So, they're going to try to shorten the game. They're going to try to limit possessions, play ball control offense. If we're playing in the range of 20 to 17, somewhere in that range, we're playing in South Carolina's hands. Like you said, we need to get into that 30 range because I don't think they can score that on us. So that's the way I see it on Saturday. That's the way I expect them to try to attack us. Ball control, ball control, four-yard passes here. They might take a couple shots downfield. They do have that Sha Smith. He's an electric receiver, but outside of him, they don't really have a whole lot of weapons outside. So I see them trying to attack us there, but I hopefully I think it's going to be a bounce-back game for the defense. Their style of offense kind of fits what we're comfortable with playing against on defense. 
So when it comes to a strength-on-strength matchup, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take Georgia in this one just because I think our guys are better than their guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I would, I would agree, and especially with Jordan Davis coming back. Yeah. I think that that might be the, the key to the game. I do think it maybe shows that perhaps we don't have the depth that we think mm-hmm. we do uh, sometimes because mm-hmm. Vandy had held Mississippi State to about 200 yards, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mississippi State comes in and – most of it wasn't running, but they were still able to just like move the ball on uh, what what seemed like will on us. And so you would think that our second string guys are better than Vandy's first string, but maybe that's just uh, arrogance. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's not the case. But something to keep note of in this game this weekend is that South Carolina is probably going to be trotting out a new QB. Uh, they had a guy come, uh, Luke Doty. Uh, come in in the second half of their game the other day, and he had a pretty good game. He was 14 to 23, 130 yards, and he did show some mobility at 59 yards uh, running the ball. So, and that, I mean, we know that's definitely a, always going to be a weakness against our defense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in pretty much any defense in college football struggles with a mobile QB. So, that'll be something to keep an eye out. That was kind of the true in Mississippi State game, too. We, there yeah. wasn't much film on their QB, and he came out and had a heck of a game. So, hopefully, we can contain the run so that we can uh, key in on Luke Doty and maybe hold him to a worse performance than what he had in the second half against uh, I mean, Missouri. I definitely think we kind of have the upper hand because uh, we've, we've got a familiar face that's going to be calling the plays for him on the sidelines next, this coming Saturday. Um, obviously, with Will Muschamp being fired a few weeks ago, um, the acting South Carolina head coach is the former offensive coordinator and quarterback for Georgia, Mike Bobo. Um much maligned, I guess is a good word to say, for his time at Georgia. I mean, you either loved him or you hated him. I think most people now, prior to mocking, I would think most people would have taken him yeah. back in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you, you look at those the offenses he had at Georgia. I mean, we were routinely averaging 36, 38, 40 points a game um, under Mike Bobo. And obviously, I guess that's not good enough. Um, we didn't have the defense we have now. We were giving up quite a bit of points on defense. Um, so, but yeah, I think uh, our that's why I think South Carolina's game plan on Saturday is going to be a lot like what we used to see from Georgia. Um, play action pass. They want to run power run game. Um, can just control the ball. 25 minutes of time of possession. and That might work against yeah. us too. I mean, because I mean, he's really good friends with Kirby. I mean, yeah. and he knows our program and I'm sure he, uh, I mean, Monken's a, a new element. Yeah. But, if, if for some reason uh, Bobo has chosen to not be retained at South Carolina at the end of the year, um, he's definitely somebody that I would welcome back with open arms as an offensive analyst somewhere. Um, same for Will Muschamp, honestly. I mean, he's he's hated on us in the past when it, from, from his time at Florida. No chance. He's talked bad about us from his time in South Carolina. But, I mean, you, you got to give credit where credit's due. He knows he's a good coach defensively. He may not have always been the greatest head coach. Um, but I would definitely like to see – I mean, I would welcome him back as on the defensive analyst side of the ball. I mean, you've seen Alabama do it. Alabama's revitalized Lane Kiffin's career when they hired him on at offensive coordinator. The work that Steve Sarkeesian's done at Alabama this year as their offensive coordinator is probably – Going to get Sark another 
opportunity at head coach somewhere down along the line. Definitely. So, I mean, you see what he, what Saban's done with bringing back these head coaches who haven't worked out other places and just revitalizing their careers. I'd like to see Kirby just take a shot at that, bring in these football minds like Bobo and Muschamp and help them or allow them to help us be the program that we can be. I mean, we've taken pages from Alabama every step along the way as Kirby's been building his program here. I mean, it's only logical to think that he may continue to do that down the line. I mean, I think depending on how South Carolina finishes out the season, I know they've had some big names coming out in the rumor mill, but it really wouldn't surprise me if they have a good finish to the season if Bobo Mm -hmm. uh, gets a look at for their head coaching position. Uh, One other thing, uh, one other big thing to know is uh, their top receiver is going to be out this week in Shai Smith. Oh, is he? And he – yeah, he, uh, I believe so. He was out in a, a concussion protocol, so I guess it's up in the air, but I feel like game, he's probably going to be out. Probably game time, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he accounts for about 35 to 40% of their offense. That's definitely their number one guy they target on almost every single play. Yeah, if he doesn't play, I'd, it's going to be a long night for South Carolina. Um, they struggled to move the ball against Missouri, and I, mean, I know our defense hasn't played well, but... We've got a much better defense and a much better team than Missouri. Uh, so, yeah, like it's definitely going to be a much long night. With all that being said, um, obviously we kind of have both hinted around. We I think it's obvious how we both feel about this game. Um, last year, having lost to them already last year, I think that's going to be a motivating factor. I don't think you have to worry about the lack of motivation playing South Carolina on Saturday. Kirby naturally usually does well when you're coming off a loss um, to a team that year he's played the year prior. So with that being said, I think Georgia's going to come in Saturday. I think it's going to be complete domination from the start. I think we're going to jump all over them. Um, the line right now is sitting at, what, 21 points? 21, yep. Um, I, def- I think I see Georgia covering that. I think we're going to win somewhere in the range of 38 to 10, 42 to 10, somewhere in that range. I think we're going to run the ball on them. I think JT's going to hit some explosive plays early and then use ball control offense to grind out the clock. I think we're going to get up big really early and hopefully coast to a finish um, and get ready to play Vanderbilt next week. So. I, I do think I do think we'll win and pretty handily. I don't think we're going to cover, but not in some sort of like you know we barely squeak by kind of way. I'm expecting something low thirties on our end. Them getting something in low teens, probably like thirty thirty four to fourteen, somewhere in that range. Uh, so just right on the cusp. But just I don't think this team is really a blowout kind of team. <laughs> uh, the way we play it, you know, and it's not. Even uh, necessarily a bad thing, but typically when we get a, a big lead, we uh, like to uh, kind of do the uh, cobra kind of like squeeze of uh, the bow constrictor kind of squeeze on an opponent. We don't like to just keep throttling it up. We'd like to get out of there without injuries and just assert our will for the last quarter and uh, pound the ball. And that's kind of how I could see the fourth quarter hopefully going. So uh, with that being said, let's get towards our other picks for this week. Do you have our uh, tallies from last week? Yeah, so I see, I see you're kind of ambitious to get to uh, the picks this week. So uh, you definitely had a better week than me last uh, week. You went 4-2, and two, and uh, I was 2-4 and four on the week. Uh, you correctly picked uh, 
the state in the UGA game you uh, didn't think we would cover, uh, I, and I, I got that one right as well. Uh, the only two you didn't get right, you uh, we both thought that Florida would cover. Uh, that was not the case. And we both thought that Arkansas was going to cover their spread against LSU. And they ended up uh, losing by three, so we just barely missed out on that. And then uh, you got Kentucky at Bama. You thought they'd cover. I got that wrong. And then uh, Auburn uh, covered their spread against Tennessee. You got that right. And then uh, Missouri covered their spread against South Carolina. Uh, and I got that one right as well. So I, I didn't get LSU, Bama, or uh, the Auburn games or that UGA or sorry, I got the UGA right. My bad. But uh, so this week we've got uh, there was a couple of late postponements right before we uh, recorded. So we've got six games coming up, I believe. Let's see, four, six. Yeah, that's right. So first one we've already touched on. Got UGA at South Carolina. Uh, the spread is twenty-one. You've already uh, went on record saying you think they're going to cover. I think we're not, but like I said, not in some sort of scary, the sky's falling kind of way like last year. Uh, just a good, just dominant win of something like 34 to 17, 34 to 14. Uh, next game is Kentucky at Florida. Florida is favored by 24. Uh, what you thinking on that? Kentucky cannot play offense at all. They haven't played well in offense the last few weeks. Florida can score points at will, as we've seen firsthand. I think Florida's going to cover. I think they beat Kentucky handily on Saturday. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Kentucky just seems like they've been in an absolute rut since, I would say, about the fourth game of the season. They've been, Outside of us, they've been getting dominated as of late, uh, and I think that'll continue. Florida's offense is high octane right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see them putting up much of a fight against that. Yeah. I think it could get bad. Yeah, I agree. So. I want to say they cover as well. Next game we got is Auburn at Bama. Okay. Uh, Bama is favored by twenty four. So, and that's just Bama. We we always struggle with the Bama line because it's always such a, a such a high point. So to, they're always big. covering. So I don't know why we. But uh, this one I feel like is a little different with this. Uh, Auburn always plays them close. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're always uh, you know Bama's always favored in this game, and Auburn always gives them at least a close contest. Yeah, I agree. Auburn's won two of the last three in this matchup with Alabama. The Iron Bowl's always a close contest. I mean, it's usually down to the wire. That's why I think Bama is not going to cover this week. Obviously, I still think they're going to beat Auburn, um, but I don't think they're going to beat them by 24. I could see this one being a second-half game. Yeah, War Eagle. I think they're not going to cover that. So, <laughs> uh, Next game, we got Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Uh, both, I mean – Ole Miss's offense has been great all year. Mississippi State's kind of on the rebound after us. Mm-hmm. I personally think that they're going to uh, build off that. Yeah. I, I think that uh, they're going to end up – I don't know. I, I think Ole Miss will win, but uh, I'm not going to uh, pick them to cover their spread, so I'm going to say don't on that. Yeah, it's the recency bias. What have you done for me lately? And yeah. Lately, Mississippi State looked good against us. So I also think that Ole Miss will win, but I don't think they will cover the 10. Okay, then we got LSU at A and M. Uh, a and M is only favored by fourteen. I feel like this one's just a guaranteed lock. Yeah. Uh, a and M has been like we're saying this for all these teams. A and M has just been on fire here lately. Uh, LSU, obviously, not the team they were last year. Yeah. And I mean, they can score, but A uh, and M has just been something else as of late. Yeah, this is the this is my lock of the week. At fourteen is just 
it's not enough. I don't think. I think. I don't think LSU can cover anybody. I think A and M is playing at like an all-time level right now. Um, I just think A and M's going to dominate LSU on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be close, and I think they're going to cover big. Okay, and so the last one we got. Uh, they haven't since uh, they had to rearrange everything. They haven't necessarily. Uh, made a line for it yet but we got vandy at missouri yeah uh so we're just going to pick that out right so yeah. and that should be an easy one yeah. uh, so. vandy hasn't won a game all year so i'm not going to pick them to win one this week i'm picking missouri yeah same so uh unfortunately we've only got one game that we're disagreeing on that never makes for uh, a really exciting week yeah. but hopefully we both do well i think it's chalk this week yeah so with that being said, I think that is going to do it for another episode of Between the Mics. Again, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully we come to you next week coming off a big win on Saturday against the Gamecocks and look toward forward to right now what is the last game on our schedule. Um, we kind of both think we're going to play Missouri in that December 12th range. Um, but yeah, we're getting towards the end of the season, which is always sad. Um, but hopefully we close it out well. So, as always, thank you guys for listening, and go dogs. Go dogs.